Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to the Gabby Reese Show. It's all an experiment. Hey, Gabby, you're funny, kid. Let's go. All right, that looks great, Gabby. Let's make those legs longer. So, Gene, how's it going with the kids? Uh, you do not feel like training. Here. What's your plan? Hi everyone and welcome to today's show. My guest today is PJ Nestler and PJ is an incredibly talented performance coach and one would say if we were in the 80s and 90s a trainer, but he really is so much more. Laird and I have worked with him for years. He's actually been on the podcast before. And I thought, you know, I'm gonna have him on and we're just gonna talk about the new year and sort of tips and tricks about getting you guys ready, both mentally and physically, sort of to kick some ass in the new year when it comes to your self-care. And and it was really an interesting conversation for me because I know PJ very well. I've worked with him for several years and I thought it was going to be a certain kind of conversation. And it turned out so much better and richer than I had expected. At the end, if I could sum up what the conversation was about, it was just each of us being honest with ourselves and getting honest with ourselves. And from there, okay, what are the possibilities? for kind of best practices. I don't know, he really surprised me and he's very talented at his job and very, very bright. But on this particular conversation, PJ was willing to dive down and even be vulnerable. Enjoy. PJ Nestler, thank you so much for doing this. Unfortunately, you are in California and I'm in Hawaii. And you've actually been on the podcast before you came on with Mark Roberts. And so for those of you who are listening, PJ is what I call a movement coach and performance coach. Because a lot of times people say the word trainer and has some other labels. But I feel like the way you do your job and the way you were educated and the way you approach it it's really about movement and performance. And it doesn't just mean, I mean, PJ, you train professional athletes, but I think when people really get to this high end of performance, it's actually about just human beings as organisms. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for having me back. And I, I agree with that. I started off calling myself a strength coach because that's what you call it when you're in college, college strength coach, but quickly transitioned more to performance coach because I realized that what I was doing for people was the training side of it was just a small component on what goes into really helping people improve their performance. Tell me how you feel about it, but I feel like Laird and I talk about this a lot, that the deeper you move into performance, that you start to realize like, oh, wait a second, this is about what's going on also under the hood 
of the mind and the spirit and you know, the other stuff, fast twitch muscles and gaining seconds and increasing wattage and all of that, that's almost a secondary byproduct if you can really start to drill down on being a person. And the reason I wanted to talk to you today was because as we're sort of in the throes of the holidays and moving into the new year, and a lot of times people use this as a time for a resolution or rebirth. And I always say, you know, like Mondays is for me, like I always believe that people can be renewed and reborn each day. But if you couldn't get your head around that, Monday was always like, okay, this is, I don't care if it's the, you know, 14th of the month or the 8th of the month. It's like, hey, I'm going to be reborn. But we're still in COVID. And in fact, it's accelerated. I just wanted to really talk about, yes, moving into the holidays, but also into the new year with where we really are. Not the ideal of like, well, if you go to the gym three days a week or this, but kind of where we are in COVID and even in the headspace that we're in. I think that's an important thing. I mean, you just mentioned when you notice high performers that it's so much more under the hood than the actual technical skills. And I think that's an important part that gets into what we're talking about now. It, you know, one of the things I realized with all people, but professional athletes first, was it's kind of the difference between the race car driver and the car. And you spend so much time trying to build the best car. And then you just put this race car driver in there that doesn't have the skills to perform and the car is useless. So it really becomes understanding how to improve both of those things and then mend them together. You know, a real race car driver and the way they feel is like one with that car. And I think that's where people really can see change and see improvements in performance. And the same thing goes into people trying to improve their overall health you know, coming into the new year. So let's set the table a little bit. So let's start with the different types of maybe degrees of where people are at. And we can sort of finish up with the high-end performer. But let's start with somebody. They've been, for the most part, kind of stuck at home. And maybe they were in a rhythm or not in a rhythm going into COVID. And now there's all this talk and focus on the importance of health. So you know, maybe we could just start a dialogue about somebody who really doesn't even know how to get started. You know, I used to break things up into buckets like, oh, okay, there's my recovery bucket and there's my nutrition bucket and my movement bucket and all that. And then I, a few years ago, and actually came from reading a business book, moved into the flywheel aspect of things where does my relationship with my partner feed into my training life, which feeds into my business life, which does my sleep feed into my train, you know, and on and on. Because I think sometimes you go, well, I've got two chips in my relationship buckets and I have no chips in my, you know, movement bucket. And I think that that gets hard because to be balanced and even all the time is probably impossible. Absolutely. And so maybe we could start by really almost whiteboarding it. You actually have a whiteboard behind you, but I'm at home. I've been here. I'm overwhelmed either by working at home. I haven't seen a lot of friends and family. Maybe you've got people teaching kids at home. I'm sick to death of cooking. I could be concerned about finances. When you look at sort of the things in your flywheel that you're concerned with, maybe we can even just identify those to help people kind of start to get their mind around the areas that they actually want to address. Yeah, I think there's a bunch of major buckets or major areas like you talked about that people can look at, but I'll identify those first, but then I want to come back to the point that you made about being under the hood, because I think that's more important for people than what we're going to go through now. But when you look at overall health, happiness, longevity, that there's those major areas that you have to understand. You have to understand the physical training side of it. There's plenty of ways you can break that down, but 
you have to have some sort of physical practice in your life in order to be healthy and high functioning. And then you have to have the nutrition side, understanding how food influences your body and you know how that's going to impact your performance, your health, all those things. Then you've got to have the relational side, the relationships with yourself, your self-beliefs, which is a huge one, the relationships you have with other people and your connections. Then you've got really kind of like, we call it recovery a lot, XPT, but it's really stress management and how you're managing your training stressors as well as your day-to-day stressors, which is huge for people. I think people really struggle with that one. And all of those things, like you mentioned with that flywheel, they feed into the other. So when one of them is really out of whack, let's use stress management as an example, that leads to people trying to blunt things with vices and they start drinking alcohol or they start overeating. And now your nutrition category has gone down. And then that leads to poor performance physically. So that comes down and that leads to relational issues, which leads to more drinking they're all just like interchange. So it's really hard. I think people want to focus on one category and they want to like crush that category. And they're like, this is going to be the thing that changes my health. And I've had a lot of these conversations recently. Actually, just yesterday, I met with one of my family members and he wanted to make similar changes. Now, what I want to know is you don't have to say who it is. Is it an older family member that can listen to you if they knew you when you were a young punk? Or is this someone of your, like a cousin or something? (laughs) Yeah, this is a younger cousin. (laughs) Okay. Because listen, PJ, I want to let people know that, you know, we work together at XPT. You write curriculum. You're brilliant. But I have met your mom and you've alluded to the fact that you at times were naughty, possibly And also, you know, listen, like you'll eat candy once in a while. So people listening to this, I don't want them to think that you're this super austere, you know, rigid person. And that's not where we're coming from. So, okay, I interrupted, but what were you and your younger cousin talking about? Well, yeah, I mean, to that point, I gave this example a lot with my cousin because he was looking for some help on the physical training and the nutrition side and wants to get some of his health back. He's let things kind of fall off in the past few years. And he's young. He's in his early 20s. We talked about that, but a lot of the times I like to give the examples of, I by no means am an expert in this realm. I am great on the physical training because that's been my hobby and my passion. So where most people struggle on the nutrition and the physical training side, I do really well. I am applying all the same thought processes and strategies to my relationships and my stress management because those are areas that I struggle. But what does that mean? Because a person could hear that and they go, okay, well, nutrition is, what are the ingredients, calories, macro, micronutrients, whatever. There's something that seems scientific, even though we all know it's highly emotional also, right? It's a really complex relationship with food beyond just the, you know, the fuel element of food. And then you sort of say, okay, I've got this approach to training. How do you take that thinking and then direct it over to let's say relationships, because since I've known you, you entered into a now a long-term relationship, but you also before that seemed like a person who probably didn't really want to get messy, intimate. You seem pretty solo. So I'd be interested to know how you took the thinking. For a lot of people, it seems kind of like, oh, it's just a matter of fact, into this very delicate and nuanced area. What I'd like to share with people is actually with the thing I shared with my cousin, which I think is the overview that goes into all these categories. And I'll be honest, a lot of this language I'm stealing from my girlfriend, Perla, because she's being a health coach. We've been talking a lot about helping people change their habits and you know what it is that we've seen with people we work with who are successful, because very few are. 
people who want to change their health habits and their lifestyle, a lot of them have short-term success and they fail. And we said, what is the biggest difference between the people who seem to have success and don't? And as we were defining some of this stuff, you know, her biggest language was really about the motive and the motivation behind it. And what we did together, her and I created a four questions that I shared with my cousin that I told him when he asked me these kind of individual questions about diets and workouts. And I said, look, I'm happy to help with those things, but this is going to be what you need to do first. And the first question was just, where do I ultimately want to be? And understanding what that goal is. And then, you know, we break it down into even deeper for him. This was just a daily activity I wanted to do, but I said, first, I want you to spend some time really writing these out and thinking deeply about where you want to be, why you want to be there. You know, the three whys or the five whys really digging deeper to what's the motivation behind this weight loss goal or whatever this is. And then the second question is who do I ultimately have to become in order to get there? And that I think is one of the biggest pieces And Perla talks about it as like motive and then personality. But I think the biggest thing that I realized a few years ago was understanding that the person I am today will never get the results that I want if I stay the same person I am. And I think people, they want to look at the tangible thing of like, well, if I just do this diet, I could stay this kind of lazy person who's not interested in exercising and has no discipline, but I just will do this diet. And those things will never go hand in hand. And the example I gave my cousin was, and some of this stuff actually comes from the book, Atomic Habits. It's just another, one of my favorite habit change books, but he talks about every behavior is a vote towards the person that you will ultimately become. And then I break that down into like, even every thought that you have is a vote towards that person. So, you know, you don't have to win every single one of those, but you have to win the majority of the votes if you want to ultimately become this person. So you start thinking, let's use the example of a skateboarder. If I say I want to be the world's best skateboarder and I'm going to practice 30 minutes a day skateboarding in my garage doing tricks. And then outside of those 30 minutes a day, I'm watching the NBA and talking to my friends about fantasy basketball and I'm going playing pickup basketball with my friends. I'm not going to ever be the world's best skateboarder. I'll be better than I was when I started, but I'll never be the world's best skateboarder because the world's best skateboarder, when he's not skateboarding, is probably watching YouTube videos about skateboarding, is fixing skateboards, is learning about how skateboards move, is usually so obsessed with that thing that it becomes who they are. And, and you know this when it comes to a person who's focused on fitness and health, it's not the hour of training that you do. It's the overall thing. Getting into that for a second, it's like, I wonder what happens to us when we're kids, where all of a sudden we land on this place on how we respond to things and how we deal with things and our practices and habits and why it then becomes so difficult to move off that point. And I feel like it happens almost pretty early in life. You know, it's like we arrive at this place, maybe it was a mechanism that helped us survive or deal with trauma or stress in our life or whatever it was or an environment we were in, if we were a certain kind of athlete or whatever. And then it's almost like, oh, wait a second, I am going to have to work so hard to get off of this spot that I'm on that I keep coming back to. 
it's like your leash tethers you to this zone and you can go in this circle, but pretty much you're kind of there. And I find that really fascinating because we're so adaptable. It's like, how does that happen? I mean, that's a great, great point. I think it's, you know, when you're young, you don't have any identity and you're just seeking that when you're a middle schooler, you just want to have some sort of identity. You don't know what it is. You're, you're a skateboarder for a week and then you're a, a rapper for another week and then you're a basketball player. You have no idea. And I think eventually you get to high school, you kind of find your group that you identify with and you start to develop that identity. And then I think it's almost like you found it. It's your safe spot. Mm-hmm. And changing that is really, really hard. And that's why I think people struggle so much. You know, forget where I was hearing this, but they're talking about when people try to quit smoking and the difference, if you offer somebody a cigarette, you know, if you offer me a cigarette, I'm just going to say, no, thank you. I don't smoke. But a lot of times you offer somebody a cigarette and they say, no, thanks. I'm trying to quit because that person still identifies as a smoker who's trying not to versus me. I have no problem turning down a cigarette because I don't smoke. I don't identify with that. And I think that's where people struggle. And that's where I see that people who I've seen make big changes are the people whose identity starts to shift towards where they ultimately want to become. And therefore, all their behaviors start to go towards that. I think a really good example of this in the fitness industry is CrossFit. The people who train at CrossFit or when CrossFit became so big, you could say whatever you want about CrossFit being good or bad, but what they did really, really well was they built this community and this identity and people were attracted to it. And then when they became a part of that group, it was now the norm for them to eat healthy, to train regularly, to wake up on Saturdays and go bust their ass on a hard workout versus wake up hungover and then go to brunch and have mimosas. And as that became a part of their identity, all of a sudden these people, I guarantee you tons of people who were like, I struggled to lose weight for 20 years. And I just always went through yo-yo dieting, but this is what worked for me. It's not because the magic of CrossFit programming is what created that change for them. It's because they connected to that identity and therefore they were able to change all those habits. So I think that's the biggest thing with people when it comes to changing habits. When you talk about that, like, so you see these people who are successful, it's because they can shift out of this one identity. Talk to me a little bit about that. Is it about that you have to take on this whole new identity or you just have to be clear about all the things and all the choices and all the actions that you need to do to support who this person is that you say you are trying to be and grow into. Yeah. I think that's also sometimes where people are like overwhelmed with maybe they don't really understand what is required for that identity. So if you take health, for example, and I'll use my cousin example here, he was saying like, well, I think for meals, I'll just, you know, make like grilled chicken and broccoli and brown rice every day. And I was like, that's not health. You know, maybe it is for you. I bet you it's not. You just think it's the only way to get there. And like, that's like weirdo obsessed bodybuilders who eat that way. And they're not happy with that. That's not a normal person who's healthy. If we want to use you, for example, you six months down the road as what you just told me is what you want. I mean, from a health perspective, you just want to be able to do the things that you used to be able to do and be physically active. You don't need to eat, you know, lean chicken breasts and broccoli and have an eight pack to do that kind of stuff. That's not really the end goal. So I think it's when you start to think like that person, it helps you to weigh all of your behaviors. And, And that's where I always say, like, I didn't give him any actual advice. I didn't give him any technical advice. I didn't tell him recipes, anything. We helped to identify what this was. 
and who this person was that he ultimately wanted to be. And then started thinking about like, what do you think the behaviors are of that person? What time do you think they wake up in the morning? What do you think they do when they get up? What do you think they eat for breakfast? What do you think their day looks like? How do you think they talk to their mom? And you start to think about those things. And if we bring it back to what I was talking about with relationships, when you look at balancing out those areas, that was the area that was probably the weakest for me. I had some strong friendships, but I never was interested in deep relationships because I was so focused on business and performance and work and anything that took me out of that mindset, I didn't have time for. And I trained my brain the wrong way for that. And I then when I was ready to start having more deeper relationships, I struggled with those because the person I had become wasn't able to have those connections. And there was a lot of excuses I made to myself. So for example, I would start talking to a, a girl, I'd start dating a girl and I'd meet another girl. And I'd think like, I'm not technically doing anything wrong here. Like I could date this girl and also go on dates with that girl. I would make these excuses for myself and no surprise, I never really had success. And then when I met Perla, I would think these same things, but I would say like, yeah, that's maybe not wrong of me per se from a societal perspective. But if I ultimately want to meet one person, be with this one person, maybe just that date that I go on with this other girl is just pulling my mind a little bit outside of where I could be spending that mental energy to get deeper in this relationship. And maybe that's why I'm not having the results that I want. Another good example is Instagram is flooded with beautiful women. And a lot of my friends are always looking at pictures, sending them around. And I made the choice a few years ago, like I used to follow all kinds of girls on Instagram that were gorgeous and posting bikini pictures. And I made the choice, like, is this action helping me become the, the man that I want to be to show up for Perla in my relationship? And I don't think it is. So nobody else is going to see me. It's not about other people's judgment, but it's about, is this behavior helping me become that person or not? And when you're really honest with yourself, which is hard, you can figure that out. And that's why I think people have the information that'll take them 90% of the way. And then you probably need some help when it comes to the small details, especially when it comes to health, because there's a lot set up to make us fail, you know, from a, a marketing perspective. And these people are out there thinking that they're eating salads that are healthy, but they're 1800 calories because they're covered in crap. You know, PJ, I was thinking when you were talking about this, I have a few friends that are actors. And I'm always fascinated when they talk about a character and they actually have to build a life for the character so they know how to act as the character. Like they make up stuff, like a backstory about a character that's not even on the pages to help them embody. Like, does this character have a dog? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so when you talk about it, it almost feels like that where you're putting meat on the bones in certain ways before you're there. Yeah, I think so. I think the challenge too is like, you have to be honest with yourself. You know, you have to start with that first question. Like, where do I really ultimately want to be? Not where... I want Gabby Reese to think I want to be, or I want my mom to think I want to be, or I want anybody listening. Where do I really want to be? And if you're not connected to that, it's going to feel like you're faking it, trying to play a character in order to be this person that you really, really don't want to be. Or you don't know why you want to be there and you'll just keep failing because you'll fake it for three weeks and then 
you'll lose motivation and you'll fail. And then you'll come back and you'll just keep fighting this endless battle because you don't really have those honest conversations. And that's where I recommend people can get some help. You know, I, I had a therapist that helped me who works with a lot of men who are workaholics basically and helps them to like start to really understand where they want to be and, and some of that stuff. But that's where I think people can get help to figure that out. And once you do, it makes it so much easier to align with that and then to weigh all the decisions. Then you don't need a workout plan and a diet plan. And like, should I smoke cigarettes? Should I drink alcohol? Should It's like, you don't need me to tell you if you should or shouldn't do those things. You answer. It also gives you your power back because people want to outsource that to the doctor and the nutritionist. But ultimately, I think when you find those people who are really good at what they do, most of the time, they're helping you to understand what you need to do so you have the tools to do it versus making you reliant on them to keep helping take you through it. What was your next advice for your cousin after after having that, you know, sort of honest talk and then him kind of really, you know, diving a little deeper? It always does fascinate me why humans, why we want to avoid, you know, it's just really interesting where sometimes you just go, hey, is there really any way around it except getting at least straight with yourself? Like, even if you never tell another person the whole real truth that you're thinking inside and feeling that at least you honor yourself because it's not about, Oh, that's good. Or that's bad. You should feel ashamed. You should feel proud. It's none of that. It's just being able to kind of clear out the deep corners and saying, Hey, I need to really take a look at this so I can be liberated from this stuff. The next level of that is when you can actually share that in a safe way. So for some people it might be a therapist, and if you're fortunate, maybe it's a partner that you can be like, wow, I, I observed this about myself. And they go, oh, okay. You know, and it stays safe. I think we think so many things about ourselves that, it, oh, it's so bad and I shouldn't be like that. And I think once we bring it out into the daylight, we realize it's probably really common and it's okay. And that we can forgive ourselves, but like, what do we want to do about it? Yeah, that's been an important thing for me in my journey is like, being honest with myself, but also I'm a perfectionist. So letting it go and just knowing that I'm going to correct it next time. And again, like you only have to win the majority of the votes. Let's say you battle with sweets. Every time you choose not to have them, that's a vote in the direction you want to go. And then every time you do have them, you don't have to beat yourself up because if you're voting five times to skip it and once to have it, you still won the majority there. And it's like... I know I can be better than that, you know, and that's what I tell myself, like, be honest with yourself. Don't make excuses. You know that this wasn't the right choice to make. And you know that this isn't helping you be the person you want to be. So we're going to be better next time. You know, I can be better than that. I use those kind of affirmations afterwards. It's like, I can be better than that, you know, or if it's something for somebody else. Fortunately, I have Perla where when it comes to relationship stuff, if there's anything I think that I could do better. I remind myself that she deserves me to be better, to show up better. So I think that's something that helps me to kind of push forward and make a different decision the next time. You know, my thing will be like weirdly, because I eat pretty healthy, but weirdly it'll be like chips. Okay. Like something <laughs> like, but in this weird way, I hardly ever eat chips just for enjoyment. I will observe myself. It's like a real frustration, you know, like I'm in gridlock in work. I'm upside down or something about the kids. And literally, and I know it when I 
grab it or touch it or put it in my mouth, I am so clear that it's almost like I have a friend, Becky, and we talk about like when you're digging a hole for yourself, but then you put the dirt on top. (laughs) It's like, sometimes I feel like as humans, when we're feeling down, we just go, that's it. I'm going to support that person and how that they feel that they are with all the behaviors that drill them further down. And I feel like when we're down, whether it's work and, or maybe we're trying to figure out relationship stuff or just being a human that almost somehow could we find a way to nurture ourselves. And that is in like movement, getting to bed early, eating well to help that person get to those calmer waters. But it is a really interesting cycle where when you're down, that's when you just go, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm doing, I'm drinking, I'm eating, I'm going to be up late. Uh, Maybe I can piss all my friends off, whatever, you know, but it is an interesting thing when you observe yourself. So I would say like coming to the holidays, being in COVID, this is a very stressful time for a lot of people. And it's like getting them to put it all on the table, all of the feelings, all of them. Like, I even think if you've been living in such close quarters with your family, you guys don't have kids yet, but it's even being okay with saying like, oh, wow, I never knew my family this way. Like we've been on top of each other for eight, nine months. I love these people, but I've never known them this way. And I'm surprised. You know what I mean? Like it could even be a partnership. You might be like, I don't think my kids like me that much. And maybe some days I don't like them that much. Just (laughs) never is. And it doesn't mean because you have the thought or the feeling that doesn't really mean that that's how you're going to operate. But just being able to put it all on the table as often as possible. I feel like then we have more energy to move and we have less of an impulse to eat, you know, shitty food to, you know, assuage an emotion or, you know, pound the booze. So I would say like during this time and we're moving into the new year, it's like, Hey, you know what? If it's just with you, like you said, with your cousin journal, it, put it all down, all of it. Like even what surprised you about your feelings that you're ashamed of or whatever, because then if you're fortunate enough that you can share it with somebody or, you know, maybe an objective person, but even just for yourself, because then it's sort of like looking at the landscape and going, okay, I know how I want to navigate this. When you talk about who is that person and what are those behaviors, that's the landscape. You need to be able to look at it. I think that helps you to be honest with yourself and and writing it down is super powerful because there's magic to, I mean, it's like anything. I write down my to-do list and I get more stuff done because I just double check before this call and, oh, wow, I wrote this stuff down this morning and I actually got it done today versus some of these things have been on my to-do list for a week, but with moving, I, I lose track of things. So I think there's definitely a power to writing things down. And that's why I recommended he did this like full journaling to get it all out there and just it forces you to get clear with your thoughts and be honest. Again, nobody ever has to see it. So you can be as honest as you want to be on there. But sometimes when you see that, you're like, wow, I can't believe I actually think these things. This is what I've been telling myself for so long as you read it. And then I have them do the kind of a, just a daily short version of that, which is just like, this is just going to set your mind in the right direction. Cause maybe you woke up and you forgot about it for some reason. You know, it's been six days since you've even thought about working out. And all of a sudden you add the drinking to that and you know you start to go down that spiral the power of writing it down all the time even if it's just one sentence or one thing is really 
impactful towards shaping those things. And that's where mantras and all that stuff come into play. There's no magic behind manifesting. You know, we don't like meditate. I want a million dollars. And then it just shows up in my bank account. It's the reason that there's magic behind mantras and manifestations and all that stuff is it changes the way you perceive and interact with the world. It's the little interaction with your significant other in the morning and then with your business partner and then something you do via email that day. All those little interactions start to change and that's the little actions. Those are the little votes that all of a sudden, six months down the road, that million dollars shows up somehow and you're like, man. I don't even know how this, it seems like this blind luck, but I guess this manifesting really works. You know, you didn't bring that to you through meditation. You started to change the way you think about things and perceive things. And, you know, maybe you would have had the opportunity to invest in a company, but that person that you met that would have given you the opportunity, you were kind of a dick to them. So you never even see that you missed out on that opportunity because it was just that little interaction. So that's why I think that stuff can be really powerful towards shaping those things. And I mean, unfortunately, all the cliches are true. It's all the small things that we do consistently that are going to really, really add up. And that's why I'm not a big fan of like the New Year's resolution thing, because people try to go all in. They try to change everything like, oh, okay, I just spent 2020. I gained 30 pounds. I haven't worked out in six months. I've been drinking five nights a week. I eat like shit. Every area of my life hasn't been very good. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wake up every morning at 5 a.m. I'm going to meditate for an hour. I'm going to listen to Tony Robbins in the shower. And then I'm going to work out for 45 minutes. And it's like, none of that is ever sustainable. As soon as you fail after week one, then you're like, ah, I just can't live this lifestyle. I'm, I'm not one of those people. And then you give up. So I think the other activity that I had him do was, well, before that, I said, how will it feel when you get there? To whatever that kind of thing is. And, and that's an important part of it is just connecting with that emotion. The reason you don't like to work out is because it hurts. It's not fun. It doesn't feel good at the time. Our biology is designed to seek comfort. And most of the time that kept us safe and alive. Nowadays with technology and the modern diet, that's what keeps us fat and sick and weak. But that's why it's hard. It's hard to eat foods that aren't engineered to give you dopamine releases. And it's hard to work out because it hurts. It's really easy to sit on the couch watch Netflix, drink alcohol, and eat pizza. Because all of those things give you feel-good hormones. It's not hard to do any of those things. That's why the hard thing is, is something you have to seek out. But that's why I think people struggle so much is you're trying to make all these changes that are going against your biology. So it's a fight. It's a battle every single time you make those choices. The reason we do it, you know, the reason I get in my ice bath is I know what it feels like afterwards. And when I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, cold outside and it's dark and I, I know what it's going to feel like afterwards. So if I can remind myself of the feeling that I'm going for, it helps me to push through that. So I like people to visualize that and connect with that and, and write it out. Think about how it'll make them feel, how it'll make their friends or family members feel. You know, this is something we do with people who are, have kids is like, think about how you're going to feel when you see your kids watching you do these things. You know, you're living a healthy lifestyle and how is that going to impact your children? Because they don't give a shit what you tell them to do, but they will do what you do every single day. That's what they'll learn from. And that's how their habits will be developed as well. And then the last thing is what's one step or one action you can take today to move in that direction. And I think that my advice for people right now during the holidays is like, do that. 
don't wait till new year's. That's already a losing mindset. You know, that's like the diet starts next Monday. So today's Wednesday, I'm just going to eat all the garbage for the next four days. I'm going to gain seven pounds just so I can try to lose more weight. Obviously you mentioned candy is a big thing for me. So I decided just to test myself. I was going to do no candy in November last year. And we were doing some habit change stuff with XPT. And I was like, okay, zero candy, zero sugars for the month of November. And it was like October 21st. My other cousin said he was going to do it with me. And I think it was getting late in October. And I was like, start today. Don't wait till November 1st. It's October 26th. Start right now. There's no reason to wait till November 1st. And he already, well, got Halloween coming up. And I was like, there's always going to be, that's the whole point is, yeah, but well, he's got kids. So the kids will bring the candy back. And then I have to eat, you know, Halloween's a big thing around here. And it's like, you're already setting yourself up for this mindset of you're looking for short-term, like anybody can force themselves to not do something for two weeks and then come back and do it 10 times worse. So I think if you can figure out how to start taking steps in the right direction during all this chaos and everything, that's an opportunity to start to develop that mindset of the person that you want to become. Maybe it's like, I'm just going to stretch for five minutes every day. I'm just going to move. I don't work out really. And I don't need to be lost in this. Like every day needs to be an hour and a half workout. Cause that's going to get thrown out the window when your family comes over and you know, you got to go Christmas shopping or whatever the tree burns down when you've got that kind of chaos that happens the workout goes out the window. So what if you just started with something small, like, well, what's one step I can take. And if you can prove that to yourself during the holidays versus I'm just going to wait until new year's when it's going to be easier. I think then you go into new year's strong and ready versus, okay, well, today's December 9th when we're doing this recording this. So I'm just going to screw off for the next 21 days and start from a way lower point And then hopefully I can dig my way out and, and most people fail. I mean, I can't remember the percentage, but it's like, it's a lot 90 something percent of people who give up on new year's resolutions by January 15th, I think. Yeah. There are a few ways that technology really can help us be our best. And we've got a new sponsor of the podcast whoop. And I know you've seen it. It's the fitness wearable. Let's get into what it does. It takes complex data breaks it down, makes it simple and tells you how you can use it. Starting with, for me, it's a best in class sleep tracker. So it not only tracks your sleep in depth, but it lets you know how much sleep you need so you can get to bed at the right time. We all know we're supposed to get to bed, but sometimes just having these cues and reminders is really important and it'll help you so you can recover to be your best the next day, which brings us to, it'll track actually how strenuous your day is and monitors the intensity of your workouts. It even provides you with maybe some exertion goals so you can know like, hey, today I can really push it. Maybe it's been a long week and you've been training hard or it's been stressful and it'll let you know like, hey, you've got to pull back a little bit and avoid overtraining. And finally, it'll track how recovered your body is every day when you get up. So you already know what you're working with when you wake up each day and you'll know like, hey, today I can really go hard or, you know, based on the data, I'm going to kind of back off. It's literally like having a personal trainer on your wrist, you know, for like a dollar a day. 
but with more in-depth data because it's monitoring that sleep and it's getting in there and seeing how recovered you are. It has a five-day battery and it's got an on-the-go charging. So you've got that heart rate monitoring. It's lightweight and waterproof. I love this. You know, I don't want to take it off and put it on if I go pool training or I'm in the shower. And it's really easy to use. They have, you know, it's like minimal design. It doesn't get in the way. The band is lightweight and stretchy. So you can adjust it comfortably to your size, but also you can move it around. When I train, I'll move mine up and down based on whatever exercise I'm doing to make it comfortable for me. So if you'd like to give a gift to somebody or gift to yourself, Whoop has a wonderful offer for you today. Head to whoop.com. That's W-H-O-O-P.com. And if you put in the code Gabby, G-A-B-B-Y at checkout, they will give you 15% off. And what that comes with is the Whoop Strap 3.0 for free. Comes in a lot of great colors, something for everybody. And you'll get access to their app, which provides all this really helpful insight and for you, on you, so you can perform your best each day. So head to whoop, W-H-O-O-P.com and punch in Gabby for your savings. I don't know about you, but I'm not kidding. The amount of screen time that I have had in the last 10 months, it's off the charts. One of our best sponsors is the Blue Blocks glasses, and I've been using them myself for a long time. And then once COVID hit, I was like, okay, I have got to find something for my girls because they're sitting there looking at their computer screens, going to school the whole time. And so I got introduced first for me because I was trying to, you know, just avoid bright light as I'm trying to get ready for bed. But then with them, it was like just staring at the screen and blue light and all of this stuff that we know isn't good for you. I mean, I think they even have a name for it. It's like digital eye strain. People talk about, you know, blurriness, maybe they get headaches. I think it impacts your sleep. So what I love about this brand is it was born out of a couple that was looking for a company that had really high-end, high-quality, science-backed, blue-blocking glasses, and they couldn't really find anything. So they created the Blue Blocks brand and it's all evidence-backed high quality lenses. That's important. We're talking about your eyes. Like I said, I got it for my girls and they're different than me. They're a lot younger. So they've got 20 frames in the latest fashions and trends and it comes in prescription, non-prescription and readers. It's important. This is for everybody. And if you have a favorite pair of frames already or glasses, they can turn just about any pair of glasses into custom blue blockers. They have a wonderful offer for you today. They will give you 15% off and free shipping anywhere. And this is important because they're all the way in Australia. So wherever you are, if you want to get your energy back, sleep better, deal with the computers or bright lights as we're trying to, you know, wind down and get ready to bed, head to Blue Blocks. And if you put in the code Gabby, G-A-B-B-Y, they will give you 15% off and that free shipping, that's Blue Blocks, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com. And don't forget to put in the code Gabby for your savings. Hi there, I'm Lauren McGoodwin, founder and CEO of Career Contessa, the largest online career resource built inclusively for women. I also have the privilege of hosting our new podcast, The Females. We're here to help with real talk career advice from CEOs, authors, creatives, and other experts to give you real strategies for building a successful career all on your own terms. Each episode of The Females is sure to not only inspire, but also to motivate you to take action and move your career forward. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for new episodes and follow along on careercontessa.com. I think your point of just a little, I think this is one of the most important things in life. You wouldn't know how to do something and take someone and say, I'm going to teach you, let's say music teacher, 
they wouldn't start a new student and be like, okay, we're going to start with Chopin or, you know, let's get your fingers on the keys. Oh, good. Okay. Later. And I think it's important for people to be as kind to themselves, but going back to that honesty, right? That accountability, because you definitely don't want to BS yourself. So at least be kind, but stay accountable. And these small things, like if I bend a little too much on a day, or I realize that I was like even responding poorly to things, my whole thing would be like, I'm always trying to control things or I will hide within my busyness and my schedule. And sometimes actually the hardest thing for me is just to be, to notice, to look at the sun, look at the tree. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But I know (laughs) I need to. Because I know I'm using the other actually as an excuse. So there'll be days where I'll I'll notice and I'll go, okay, do the things, you know, what do they say? There's things you have to do, you should do, and you want to do. I'm very comfortable with doing everything. And I make up things that I probably have to do that I don't have to do. (laughs) And then just go, yeah, let it go. Just let it go. Even if it's that little thing, if someone invites you to go take a walk or go, you know, Brody will invite me for a bike ride or something. It's like, just say yes, you know, or do that little thing different of with the food part. What I tell people a lot is, Hey, listen, what's your one worst bad habit? What is it? They all know what it is. Just see if you can take it easy on that one. I'm not even telling you to give up all the other stuff. I'm just saying, take the one and you know what it is, whatever it is. And just see if you can let it go. Those are those small victories that we do develop that help us. And the other thing about the holidays, and I try to remind people is Thanksgiving day is one day. Christmas day is one day. And so we don't really have to have five and six weeks of just complete debauchery. And I know it's colder and I know the days are shorter, but I think that go to bed earlier. I mean, quite frankly, Laird and I talk about this a lot. I would imagine our circadian rhythm, regardless of where we're from, it's probably set up. There's a reason that when you, you go, what, it's six o'clock? It feels like it's 930 when we, you have these wintertime months. And it's like, yeah, go to bed. Like eat dinner early, get to bed, go to bed. Like you don't need to stay up till 10, 11 and 12 because that's what you do. And then in the summer months, you might not have to eat dinner until 830. Great. You might stay up later. I think that that also can protect us a little bit if we go with what the environment is saying because we're not as motivated. It is colder out. The days are shorter. So go with it. Maybe you have more recovery. Maybe it's about walks. Maybe it's about something else. Maybe it's not like, hey, I'm the sharp end of the stick and I'm ready for a big race. Let's talk a little bit about though, gyms have been shut. You know, if people live in close areas, they're not getting the space to move around quite as much. Have you, you know, thought about sort of things people can do. Like for me, I'll give you an example. The other day I had no time. So I was like, I'm only going to do kettlebell snaps and I'm going to do like 150 of them. I have literally no time. I'm going to do sets of 25. So I did a little lighter, but I went a little longer. And I was like, this is what I'm doing today. I'm going to stretch and do that. And that's it. Do you have any ideas? Because I know that people, they feel a little handcuffed in that area. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine. I mean, this is what I do for a living. And I have a lot of gym equipment. And I feel some days I go out and I'm not motivated to work out. I don't feel like I have the equipment I need to do. I'm doing the same thing. So I, I completely understand. I, I can't even imagine how people feel who live in an apartment on the 10th floor in New York City in the cold. I really feel for people because that is a huge struggle. And I think, you know, for those people, 
finding an activity. I have a friend who lives in, in New York and he said, you know, he joined a, an F45 down the street just because it gets him out of the house and they're working out, out in the outdoors, letting go a little bit of maybe what you think it has to be. You know, for me, that was a big challenge. I think you and I talked about this on the, not on the podcast, but the last time I was up, you know, for me, it's like, okay, I need to hit my strength training and it's got to be this heavy. And it's, for now, what I do when I work out is I think about movements I want to do that day and I pick five to 10 and then I pick an arbitrary rep range or something and I set a timer. I just go through it. I write it on a whiteboard in my garage and a lot of it's just body weight. I got a new weight vest the other day. So I put the weight vest on and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do some lunges and I'm going to do some push ups and I'm going to shadow box because I really like shadow boxing. It's fun for me. So I'm going to throw that in there because it's fun and it doesn't have to be all burpees and you know things you hate. And then I'm like, okay, how much time do I have? Well, I've got a phone call at 1230. So I've got 46 minutes. All right. So I'm going to move for 32 minutes. I'm going to breathe, shower, get to my meeting. I just set a timer. If I get through one round, I get through one round. If I get through five rounds, there's no structure of like what it has to be or how many sets I have to do or anything like that. And I've, what I find is I'm getting more workouts in doing that than when I was trying to stick to a plan because I would just skip it. If I knew I had an hour and 15 minute workout, but all of a sudden that meeting got pushed back and now I only have 42 minutes, I'm like, I'll skip it. I'll do that workout tomorrow. That way I get the full thing in. And all of a sudden it's Thursday and I'm like, shoot, I haven't done that workout yet. So now I'm like, just go do it, go do something. And then if I get to work out three days in a row and it's not ideal and tomorrow I have an hour and a half, I'm still going to do that workout, even if I'm a little sore, but you know, I think that's the goal because ultimately five workouts in a week that are all suboptimal and, you know, 60 or 70% of what I wanted to do is still 20 times more than two excellent workouts in the week that I didn't actually do. Yeah. That's something been successful for me. And same with what you're doing. You know, sometimes it's like, ah, I just want to shadow box or I'm just going to go run up a hill or yeah. just pick something mindless and just go do it. And, and I am a, somebody who likes variability. So I'm not a runner. I don't like to just go out and run miles. I shouldn't say I don't like, I hate to go do that. I force myself to do that because it's an opportunity to develop that physical thing, but also the mindset. But I think the same for you. Sometimes it's like, I'm just going to do a bunch of pushups yeah. and I've got 10 minutes and I'm going to do as many pushups as I can in 10 minutes. And then I'm going to do some breathing in between. And that's going to be what I do today. And I think what's really important actually about that, because it's never really about the physical, it just isn't, is then no matter what, what you have done is you have reinforced your constitution as a person that things don't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be measured out and executed exactly the way the plan was that you're willing to just figure it out and go do it the best that you can with what's in front of you at that moment. What that gives you back, you know, in that feedback loop to your, I think, sense of well-being is more powerful than any push-up you're ever going to do or not do. It took me a long time to notice this. It probably took me over 10 years to notice where let's say I had the situation today. We've just recently come back to Hawaii. We haven't been here in a while. Someone very important to me. I had a little bit of contact with her, got to visit with her, but she came by kind of unexpected today. And now it was in my window. 
of when I was supposed to train because on the other side of that was going to be a work call. And when I was sitting with her exchanging as a human being, someone I love dearly, I was like, oh, here's that moment that this is more important than training. Connecting with her, being with her, feeling good about that, relaxing, not in my mind having some clock going. This is someone I haven't seen in quite a while. Sometimes there's things that feed us in life that it wasn't part of the plan. It wasn't on schedule. But if we actually take the moment to enjoy it, it's as important as everything else, because I can discipline myself out of all the fun, like I said earlier. And, you know, that time with her, those few laughs that we had and me knowing more about what her life has been like was really important. And so I'm not talking about, oh, just shoot the shit with somebody and use that as a reason to get out of your workout. I'm talking about that sometimes maybe you're driving and, you know, something spontaneous comes up for you to go to do, but you had some plan. It's okay to go, no, this is what I'm going to do. And, you know, again, I know people, you and I, Mark Roberts is someone that we've worked with. And I think like someone like Mark or even Laird, they do that very well. They're here, they're looking and they go, wait, it's a tree. You'd have to climb the tree. And I'd be like, yeah, it's a tree, but I got stuff to do. And so, you know, when we talk about who we want to be, I, I just think it's an important reminder to go, wait, what's happening in front of me right now? What's life bringing me right now? That's as equally as important and in some ways more important than my schedule or my plan. I think that's important for people to, as long as you're being honest with yourself about what you're doing. I mean, that's for me, there are times that I make that choice and I'm like, I'm choosing to do this. I mean, we moved into a new house two weeks ago and it has been nonstop. It was a really busy two weeks of work plus moving and Every minute was setting up the room and ordering new tables and setting up the internet. As you know, moving, there's, there's always more to do. And I woke up on Sunday morning and I was like, I was going to sleep in, but I woke up at seven, like I usually do on the weekend. I was like, ah, oh, well, I'll just get up. I guess I'll get right to doing all the things on my to-do list. And I was like, I'm just going to play video games. And I felt guilty about it. I sat down, I started playing. And then all of a sudden it was like 8.30 and I was like, okay, I wanted to do this by 9.30. I want to do this. And I was like, I'm just going to play video games until I don't want to play video games. And I only played for like another half an hour. For me, I was just being honest with myself because I don't do that. It's not like I make an excuse always to play video games, but I was like, I've been beating myself up. I've been keeping myself to schedule. This is Sunday the one day I'm supposed to have off and I've got 87 things on my to-do list. And I was just like, I'm not going to get it all done, but that's where I think being honest with yourself, you can allow yourself to have those things. I'm just going to sit with this person and talk and I'm skip my workout today. You know, tomorrow I'll do something else or I'm going to have this meal, but there's a difference between always making an excuse for it versus allowing it because you're like, I think I need this right now. And this is going to give me energy back. And I know that I'm going to come back tomorrow and do this. I'm not going to make another excuse for why I need that cupcake again tomorrow. And then I need a cupcake and for breakfast and I need, but that's a challenge for people to figure out when you are being honest with yourself. I think that's where being around you and Laird and Mark Roberts and doing the things that we do at XPT, the types of training allows you to have those honest conversations. And I think that's why I enjoy going for that run that I hate doing or going in the ice bath or doing things. Cause then you start to really figure it out and, and figure out 
who you really are. So you start to be able to have those honest conversations with yourself and figure out, am I really just believing my own bullshit right now and giving myself excuses? Or is this really something that I need? We can be honest like that because I think you and I are similar in the sense that I can always regiment my schedule. I can always overtrain. I can always do more work. I can always do more things. So because I know that that's how I am, when I pull back, I know it's probably good for me because my tendency is going to be the other side. If yeah. you know that your tendency is to sit on the couch and play video games, then you need to lean the other way. Yeah. And like Laird always says, you hear Laird always say, the yogis need to bang iron and the iron bang is <laughs> yoga. You know, he's always a great example of like, I've never seen him come home and be like, you know, I chainsawed today instead of lifted weights. It's like, I'm just going to do what I need to do to look ahead to get done or be where I want to be. And I'm going to do the behavior that supports that. And for someone listening, who's maybe it's their parents. I think what happens there is that we were always putting everyone in front. A lot of times you're then too tired and you will medicate with food and maybe alcohol, but your kids are not holding you back from moving and eating well. And in fact, they probably would like you to. And so I think it's also important to get rid of all of those excuses, even in this time, because you can always find the excuse. But also, it's kind of like, it's okay to be selfish about that when it comes to like me defending my real estate around movement, whether it's for 12 minutes or 60 minutes. It's like, you have to figure that out. And to your partner, if you have a partner that's like, oh, are you going to go take a run? It's like, yeah, I am. Because not only it's good for me, and when I come back, guess what? That means it's going to be good for you too. I think it's really important that with certain things that it's almost like not negotiable, that people feel comfortable with saying, this is important. This is like as important as telling the truth, as important as getting a good night's sleep. Because then otherwise, you're a victim or a martyr. And the only person who's done that to somebody is yourself. And, you know, it doesn't mean it's not hard. I understand it's hard, especially when you have little ones and especially in COVID. But maybe just to kind of, when you're having that honest conversation with yourself, take ownership of that too, that sometimes we actually use that as the excuse. Yeah, I think a lot of people struggle with that. And I have friends I've had that conversation with. And I think understanding that it's not selfish. It's actually selfish of you not to do those things because you are not going to be able to show up at your best for your kids, for the people, for your job. I'm not going to show up and do my best if I am not able to take care of myself. And I think there will always be an excuse. There's always more work to do. I'm another person who needs your help. I relate this back to talking with my mom about charity stuff. People who run charities, it's like, let's say I run a charity home and I have room for 30 people. I never want to turn anybody away. So I feel like it's, it's bad if I turn people away. But the reality is if I don't turn people away, I won't be able to take care of the 30 people who are here because I only have the resources for those 30. So I feel like it's being not caring for all these people. But if I bring in 50, I care for zero. If I turn away 20, I care for 30. And I think, you know, a really good example of this that I always like to point out to people is our friend who's a general in the army spent a lot of time in the military. I was actually at your house. We were sitting in the sauna and we were talking about when he got promoted to general. And he said he stopped taking care of himself because he was all of a sudden commanding 
I think 16,000 troops across 18 different countries and 12 time zones. And there was never a time of day that I couldn't be on my computer because there was always a mission going on that needed my attention. And he's like, my physical health deteriorated. And I guess some of his mentors or some of the admirals pulled him aside and they said, look, here's what you need to do. When you wake up in the morning, you need to spend 45 minutes and exercise. You need to turn everything off, unplug and do that. Then you need to do shut this stuff off and go to sleep and get this many hours of sleep. If you don't do those things, you are not doing the job that we hired you for because we hired you as the person who used to do those things so that you could show up and you could be at your best cognitively to make the right decisions and all those things. You're not serving these 16,000 soldiers by neglecting your own sleep and your own health. And I think about that because I hear that excuse a lot from people of like, oh, I have kids, I have to wake up, you know, I get three hours of sleep because I have to be there. And, you know, the, the shipping trucks go out and they've got to call me with the orders. I'm like, look, if this general can get his sleep and his exercise with 16,000 troops who are counting on him operating with life and death missions, I'm sure your delivery trucks, you'll figure out a system. You'll find a way if you set it as the highest priority thing. And, you know, you have to understand that it's not selfish. This is something a lot of caregivers struggle with too. I know nurses and practitioners that tend to have really poor health because they care so much about everybody else. They feel like it's selfish to care about themselves and they don't ever take care of themselves. They just spend all their time and energy caring for others. So it's something people struggle with, but I think it is certainly a mindset thing to be able to be selfish about that. And it's weird. It's weird because as soon as something important comes up, if you said, hey, let's jump on this podcast. And that's like... Sorry, uh, I have a busy day and that's my workout time. If I just said, hey, I've got a meeting at that time, it's like, oh, okay, he's got something scheduled. I mean, I put my workouts on my schedule and I try to my best to treat them as if I had a meeting. So when someone says, hey, can we get on the call at this time? Like, no, I already have something at that time. Yeah. But even myself, I'm like, well, technically I could move that. I'm like, treat that as if you had five people on that call. You have no option. You can't move it. It has to be there that hour's blocked off. And it's tough. I mean, I don't think anybody's great at it. And I certainly don't want to preach as if I'm a mastered it, but it's, it's certainly important. It's an important point. And, and I do the same thing. I clear my morning schedule and layered schedule, unless it's like, it just, you know, they're in Europe and it's a time zone thing. Otherwise it's like, no, because otherwise that'll be the first thing off the table. It just is. So I just want to remind people listening whether it's the holiday or the new year, or if we're sitting in April, I don't care. This is a really important part of just to remind people. And I feel like it's accentuated during COVID because, you know, everyone is so close together, like getting away from everybody. You're just like, I'm going to tough out. It's like, well, where are you going? All of a sudden, you know, and it's like, oh yeah, no, I'm going to take care of myself for a minute. So in kind of wrapping up our items on the flywheel are, you know, relationships. And when I say relationships, I mean, and you've talked about it a lot today, the relationship you have with yourself, the honesty that we should be able to have with ourselves, with any of it, it's okay, whatever it is. You know, even saying, you know, like I'm afraid of being intimate with or vulnerable or whatever the things are that we all as human beings go through. But starting with that, I think it's so important if you have the opportunity, I know it's hard with COVID. So even if it's in this electronic way, I don't even care that you find ways to have real connection with people. Because I mean, life is made up of that. That is the richness. You know, it's like, you know, when you look in your life and you have high quality friends, 
that people that you really love and cherish, it's like, that's the gold, you know, it's besides your health. It's like, there's the gold. And then there's sort of the superficial stuff. There is the movement. And we talked about that and sleep. People may not be exerting as much energy right now, but they still, we got to get to sleep. And we talk a lot about breathing at XPT. And maybe you could just, you know, you have a lot of suggestions about really great down-regulating breathing patterns that people can do. Maybe they've had a hell of a day and they're still wound up and they want to get ready for bed. Maybe you could just give us a really simple breathing pattern to help people down-regulate or, you know, your crazy uncle or cousins coming over to visit during the holidays and, you know, you just want to chill out. You know, what does that look like? Yeah, I think breathing is one of the things that underpins all of that. I don't say it as a category, but it is something that connects you to yourself, something that helps you reduce stress, something that helps you with your physical performance. So I think it's a huge tool in all those areas. But it's also, like you mentioned, definitely a, a little quick reset remote control you can use in, in those really intense times of stress. I actually just recorded a breathing protocol for the holidays, that was just a simple reset for people before this call, I was recording some stuff for XPT, but I could give people that one because I thought it was just a really easy one to remember. And it, we called it the holiday three, four, five, and it's three, four, and five breaths with just a slight difference to each one. And I like this one. I think it's kind of like what we use in the pool when we're doing super intense pool training and we come out and you can't get right into like the calming breaths. There's intensity there. So I like to hit that with intensity. So the first three breaths are short and intense. And it's a quick nasal inhale and a hard mouth exhale. So it's... People can think about it like if you banged your finger with a hammer or something and you go shake it out. When you shake it really hard, you're sending these intense neural inputs that helps to blunt that pain sensations and helps to kind of reset. So that's basically what we're doing with that breath is that three hard, intense ones to intercept whatever that intense emotion was and, and meet it with the same intensity versus just trying to get right into the calm down regulation. So I like that one. And then again, this is kind of what I do when I'm in the middle of intense exercise too, to down regulate. I know we do that a lot in the pool. So three big nasal inhale into the belly and ribs, like always, and then forceful mouth exhale with some noise behind it, whether it's a sigh or a it's got something that forces it out. And then you go right into four where you just slow it down. It goes still in the nose and out the mouth, but now we're just letting the exhale kind of fall out. So it's a, just a normal big inhale. You can let it out with a sigh. You can let it out with a little whoosh sound, but I like some sound behind it. It helps connect. So it's three fast, short, intense, and then four where we start to really slow down. And then we shift to five all through the nose and slowing down the inhale and the exhale this time. There's no counting of tempos. There's no nothing. It's just three, four, five. And it allows you that kind of a ramp down. So you meet the intensity of that feeling you're having. You step it one stage down, you bring yourself down to that next level. And then as you start to slow those exhales and lengthen the breath, you kind of slowly roll down that ramp until you get back in. And the nice part about that too is even if the physiology of it doesn't work, which I promise it will, what you're not doing during that moment is screaming back at your cousin for breaking into remote control. And yet whatever it is that is going to take you more intense into those, those strong emotions or stress, you've blunted that for and that protocol will probably take you three minutes to do maybe less, depending how quickly you do those breaths. And 
that's two minutes of clarity where you get an opportunity now to react to the situation with rational thought and accessing the rational side of our brain versus the emotional side. And when you do that, you're more likely to make the right choice there and be happy about the decision that you made. So that's something that I think is super helpful. Three, four, five, super intense, slowing the exhales down, and then all nasal, slowing the inhale and exhale. And for people listening, if you want to get deeper into these types of practices, PJ is on the XPT app and there's all kinds of breathing protocols that either he will lead you through or Laird or myself, and it'll be whatever you need. So if if you want to go deeper into that, we have so much information about breathing and PJ really, you dive down so deeply about, you know, all of the breathing practices and the science behind breathing. So before we go... I'd love to know, you mentioned a book earlier that you really enjoyed reading. What was it called? What was the Atomic Habits. Yes. Do you have any other book that you have enjoyed or just anything else that you want to share with people? Because I just want to keep encouraging people to, you know, move in the direction of where they sort of see themselves You know, I feel like we all have these visions of ourselves, these dreams about ourselves. And it doesn't mean like, oh, I'm going to be the CEO. It doesn't always mean more. I'm just talking about a way that we, a space that we want to live in. If there's any more or any last thoughts that you want to drop off. Well, definitely another book. One of my favorite books I've read is Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. I mean, they tie it to business and everything, but I think the premise is more important. I think what we've been talking about this whole time is, extreme ownership is like, you have to take ownership of all of these areas. You know, you are in control, you are responsible, and you need to take ownership for all of it. Don't outsource it to the next nutrition fad and the next, whatever those things that you find that help you be successful are great, but don't outsource your success in any of these areas to anything else except for yourself, because that's, that's what I think extreme ownership really means for me. And I apply that to business and everything else like they recommend in the book. And I think it's an entertaining book as well, because he's got some really crazy stories that he tells in there, but that's another one of my favorites. But I think Atomic Habits is great when it comes to more actionable takeaways. Like here's a three-step that you can go through to follow, to try to change behaviors. And, you know, here's how to measure progress and stuff. I think it's a super simple, practical guide to helping people change habits. And I've read a lot of them, but I think that one has been one of my favorites. I mean, I threw away a lot of books when I moved, but those are two of my top 10 that I still have in that kind of self-help type space. So those are ones that I recommend for sure. I re-listened to a lecture on awareness by Brian Peters, a football player that we both know. Actually sent it to me originally by Anthony DeMello. You know, Anthony DeMello is no longer with us, but he has this lecture on awareness. And he has this, a couple of things that he talked about that I think really resonate with what we're talking about. One was, he was talking about this other fellow priest, he used to be a Jesuit priest, came to him and said, I don't have any discipline, I'm just really lazy. And he said, you know, I could spew all this stuff at him, like, here's a list of habits, and you do this, and you get up at this time, and you do all this, and he goes, but it was more important to understand what was going on with this person. By asking a couple of questions, he backed it into that two years prior, he had maybe signed up to try to take a test or do something to become a professor. And he thought that that was going to be really significant and important for him. And for whatever reason, it didn't work out. And after that, he sort of all of a sudden became 
lazy or non-disciplined. So, and he then gave the analogy of like your car breaks down and he's like, okay, so we push it to Syracuse. And then you get there and you go, oh, good job. Where are we going next? And they go, St. Louis. He goes, no, you get the mechanic. You look under the hood and you find out what's going on. And I think the most important thing for people to realize is if they're looking to the left and right and they're seeing people who have what looks like these lifestyle habits kind of in place and they don't feel like they can get there, it's not that they can't get there. It's about trying to understand what's going on in your real life, going back to your point about having that honest conversation that is keeping you because it, yes, we are biologically hardwired for comfort, but none of us are like super disciplined or lazy or any of these things. We have things going on that are keeping us from getting there. So I will share that that lecture is really beautiful and it's beautiful to listen to his speaking voice. It's really great. And TJ, I just, since the day I met you, I have been so grateful that they found you and brought you into our life, uh, that we've had the opportunity to work with you, but also it's interesting to witness you growing and changing in your own life. It's really cool. So thank you for your time and I wish you a happy holiday. And if people want to find you, I will tag and have all your information in the podcast. And of course, like I said earlier, if they want to follow and breathe with you and spend time with you, they can go to the XPT Life website and go to the app. Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me. I, I really miss hanging out with you guys. It's been, uh, this year has been tough not getting to see you guys and, and hang out nearly as much as we have in the past few years. So unfortunately, I got accustomed to it in 2018, 2019, and then 2020. It was definitely a challenge not being able to be around you guys. It was great to see you and connect a little bit here. Thanks, PJ. Thanks so much for listening. And if you'd like, rate, subscribe, and leave us a review. All of my music was graciously done by Frank Zumo and Tom Thacker. If you want to see some of the behind the scenes action, just follow me at Gabby Reese. And remember, don't miss new episodes every Monday. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.